Branding Badass, and welcome to Branding Matters, a podcast I created and host to help you create brand equity. Branding Matters is brought to you by Genumark, one of North America's most trusted branded merch makers for over 40 years. Branded merchandise is one of the best ways to create brand awareness. Whether with your team or your fans, there's no better way to show your appreciation, connect with your audience, and build community than combining thoughtful design with great products that tell your brand story. When you partner with Genumark, you get more. More personalized service, more creativity, more innovative solutions, and more importantly, you get it all from a talented team of branding experts who have the experience and know-how to make your job easier and best of all, more fun. From promotional products, custom uniforms and clothing, to sports co-branding, web stores and warehousing, Genumark makes it happen. And being ISO certified, you can rest assured ethical sourcing and sustainability are front and center. Genumark is big enough to matter, but small enough to care. So if you're looking for the right partner to help you create brand awareness, email brandingmatters at genumark.com to start your next project today. That's brandingmatters at G-E-N-U-M-A-R-K dot com. My guest today is Bobby Lehu, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew, a cloud-based CRM and order management platform designed for the promotional products industry by promotional products experts. As an industry leader, Bobby has won multiple PPAI awards, and as a former distributor, he's ranked three times on Inc. Magazine's fastest-growing private companies in the U.S. Bobby also has appeared many times, I might add, on the Online 18, a list of the promo industry's most influential social media voices. Bobby's also the co-host of Skewcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs in the print and promotional products industry. Recently, I was a guest on Skewcast, where I was invited by Bobby to share my story and talk about my podcast. Bobby and I had a really great conversation, and we talked a lot about podcasting. So I wanted to continue that conversation and invite him here today to dig a little deeper. What's different about this episode is that instead of me asking Bobby all the questions, we thought it would be fun to interview each other. So I have no idea where it's going to go, but I have no doubt it's going to be a ton of fun. And I'm really excited that you're here with us today. And I'm super excited that Bobby's here. So Bobby, welcome to Branding Matters. Jolie, I can't believe I'm finally here. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me today. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. You're going to ask me questions and I'm going to ask you questions. And hopefully it's going to help our audience learn a little bit more about podcasting. So let's get right into talking about podcasting. Right now, I did a little bit of research and there's about 2 million podcasts worldwide. What made you decide to launch a podcast? And your podcast is called Skewcast, right? Skewcast, that's right. Mark Graham, who's Common Skew's chief brand officer and co-founder, started the Skewcast back in 2016. We've got a couple hundred episodes under our belt since then. I was doing podcasting as well back in that time. I was doing different podcasts. I had one for the business I was involved in. We both worked together on a podcast in a nonprofit called Promo Kitchen. And so I've probably recorded closer to 300 episodes at this time. Okay. So I don't think I knew that you had a podcast before. When did you start that and what was it called? It was early days. I mean, we're yeah. talking 2014, 15, somewhere around there. And it was it was a funny podcast. It was called The 5-Minute Marketer, And it was a crazy idea. But what we did, we had guests in every month through a marketing association that I was a part of. And I was on the board. 
And we were in the business of the marketing merchandise business. And so we had these speakers come in. They are already on top of their topic. So you have five minutes to make us smarter about your topic. And so it was funny. These speakers would come in to talk for 45 minutes. But then we would get them before or after their gig and have a five-minute interview. And it could have been around SEO. It could have been around anything that they were yeah. in, their expertise was in. And that's what we used to share with our audience. That's a long time ago. I mean, did you have a big listener base or... Oh, no. I'd be too embarrassed to even know what the number was, but it was kind of more of the mechanics of doing it. The fact that one thing that we had going for us, we knew our audience. We knew that we worked with marketing and communications professionals. That was our client base. Mm. So we knew that the audience itself, they might not show up to talk about our expertise, but they would show up to listen to somebody for five minutes, make them smarter about a particular topic. So the premise was actually pretty good. And what you've learned and what I've learned is that really just take a commitment, just like any other business venture you're going to get into. Yeah, for sure. Sure. So then Mark started it. What was the impetus for him starting the podcast? It was an opportunity to sort of elevate the branded merchandise and promotional products medium to a level of professionalism and discipline that we hadn't seen before. So it was an attempt to highlight people that were doing some really progressive things in the business. It was to bring entrepreneurs to the forefront who were doing interesting things, to talk to leaders in the business. And it was a really good format for innovative ideas, innovative thinking. Anything that caught our curiosity in that area were people that we would have the podcast. You could be running a billion-dollar company or you could be running a million-dollar company. It didn't matter. If you were doing something innovative in that space, we wanted to talk to you. Okay. And the audience was people in the industry. Correct. In the promotional products industry and the brand and merch industry is reported numbers of around 26 billion. It's far bigger than that. When you consider branded merchandise in general, sports merchandise, things like we're in the multi-billions, we're probably oh, yeah. at least twice that, if not four times the size. So it's a huge market. And what folks don't know is that there is a profession to it. There is a discipline to it. And that's what we have been trying to uncover and help explore. I love it. That's great. What about you? When did you start? I started January 1st, 2021. So I'm a bit of a newbie. (laughs) We were about a year into the pandemic. And the reason I started really was I did a presentation to this online women's networking group. It was about branding. And afterwards, there was a couple of women that reached out to me and they were asking me if I did consulting. And I was like, no, I'm pretty busy. I don't have time. And I said, why do you ask? And they're like, they didn't know each other, but their stories were the same. And the stories were that we worked for a corporate company and then COVID we were laid off from our jobs and started our own business and we know nothing about branding and we need help. And so I thought, well, okay, I can help you. I won't charge you. Like, what do you need? And I thought I could just give him some sort of direction. And then I walked away from that and I told my boyfriend about that. And I'm like, should I start consulting? (laughs) You know, and add that to my plate of a million other hats that I was wearing at the time. And then he jokingly said, oh, you should start a podcast because he listens to podcasts. And I was laughing. I'm like, yeah, ha ha. And then I'm like, maybe I will. (laughs) Because I thought, okay, well, if these are two women in Alberta that are struggling and COVID is a global pandemic and there was forced entrepreneurship all over the world, I thought there's a lot of people out there. And I was also seeing it. More and more people were on social media and I could tell people didn't really understand the concept of social selling or branding or anything. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I got something here. You know, maybe I can help 
help people on a global scale. And a podcast is a great platform to do that. I know what I know, but I know what I don't know. And so then I thought, all right, why don't I bring on experts from all over the world and they can share their stories and provide some valuable branding tips to help the audience. And so it just kind of snowballed and then came up with the name Branding Matters because it was that double entendre of all things to do with branding. So from a brand voice to brand identity to swag, right? And everything else in between. And then also how important branding is. If you're an entrepreneur out there, it's great that you know your business, but you really need to know what your brand is and what you stand for. And that is where branding comes in. So here we are. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in your initial question, you asked why start a podcast? If there are 2 million podcasts out there, aren't we oversaturated yet? And the answer, I think what you found is that you have an expertise that you discovered that people wanted to hear from you and your market isn't oversaturated. So I think that should be encouraging to anyone who wants to start a podcast. You know what? Full disclosure, I think ignorance is bliss. I had no idea. I think even since I started in 2021, there's been a huge influx of every day I hear about a new podcast, right? It's just like anything I do in life. Honestly, I just look straight ahead and go, right? I just, because <laughs> right. if, if I were to start doing that, if I were to start right. looking out, with that said, I did look up branding podcasts. Like I looked up, okay, so what is out there? And then I listened right. to a few of them and I realized I would listen to one and it would be all about branding, but it was really kind of stale, I guess, or very factual. And then I would listen to others and they were very amateurish and weren't really helpful. And so I really thought, okay, you're thinking about your brand. What is it that's going to make mine different other than my personality? But I want it to be fun because I think you can learn through entertainment. I don't want to be too serious, but I want it to also be educational. But I mean, did you know? I mean, I know you started not that long ago, but even then, did you look what else was out there that was sort of in the same genre as what you were doing? No, I think largely because I learned a long time ago that the audience is what matters in the sense of everyone has an audience. Like everyone's story has an audience. And so that part propels me forward. I mean, why would a musician today start in the music business when music is so oversaturated, so they say? But everyone's got a story. Therefore, every story has an audience. Now, that is put together hindsight, right? You kind of just like you, you just kind of get into it because in a sense, you're like, I want to figure this out. It's almost like a complex problem to solve. And that's part of the curiosity and the passion, I think, to drive a lot of people forward with it. And I would say, you know, if I had any advice for any of the listeners who are thinking of starting a podcast, there's always room if you have something to bring to the table that's unique and different and that's helpful. And I agree with you about your audience. Everybody has a different message that they want to say. I mean, we're all different and it's finding your tribe and who you gel with and who you connect with. And that's a great segue because that's really what branding is all about is finding your tribe and connecting with them. So I want to talk about personalities. You know, it's funny, you and I are both very passionate about podcasting and we've talked a lot about it. And I think we have a lot of similarities in some ways, but we're also very different. And I think one way that we're really different and we've had this conversation is you've described yourself as an introvert. I think of myself as more of an ambivert, I think is what it's called, introverted extrovert. So why do you think introverts make good podcast hosts? I think it's surprising because introverts, they prefer to work independently and solitude can be a catalyst. So I also think that originally the voice is a very intimate medium. And for introverts, it was something that they could connect to without actually being visible. You know, in one sense, it's an incredible medium. I know my friend Ann Hanley speaks to thousands of people. And I asked her one time, how can you look at an audience of 10, 20,000 people when you're such an introvert? And she said, I'm in my own world. 
up there. And so in a sense, I think the reason why introverts tend to find podcasting as a helpful medium or something they can excel at is because it's a one-to-one conversation. And they people think that introverts are not social beings. That's totally false. It's a myth. Introverts are very social beings. They're just very intimate social beings. So a one-to-one conversation is their world. That's where an introvert thrives. But at the same time, there's something I want to ask you because an introvert also requires time to think. So this is not either or. This is not a duality. It's not introverts are better or extroverts. Oh, yeah, both yeah. bring a quality to Yes, the, exactly. Thing, right? Yeah. And so an extrovert, for example, introverts burn a little slowly. They think. As an extrovert, stereotypically, extroverts think on the fly faster. So as an extrovert, did that help bring you to the realm of podcasting quicker and give you the confidence to think, I love talking to people. Let's do it. That's a great question. I just want to back up for a second. I'm going to answer your question, but I wanted to add to that. I don't know if you know this, but introverts make better networkers than extroverts. Did you know that? Mm, For sure. Yeah. And so the reason being is because they are better listeners, because they are very good at keeping their mouth shut and their minds open and their ears open. Right. Right. And that's why you see in the room, maybe they're not talking, but they're absorbing it. And when they meet someone They ask a lot of questions. That is such a good skill when you're networking. I've learned a lot and I've changed a lot, but you know, the extroverts out there and they're talking and talking about themselves and me, 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 me. And that's the worst way to be when you're networking, right? Best way to be is just ask questions. And so podcasting is the same. Through podcasting, I've learned to become a better listener and close my mouth more. I mean, I'm talking now more because you and I are doing this together, but when I have guests on, I talk less and I listen more. And I think that is what makes a good host because you want to give the platform to your guests. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. I listened to an interview with Larry King on his interviewing style. And regardless of how you feel about him, he is one of the most famous interviewers of all time. How do you go from interviewing one day a president, the next day an astrophysicist, and the next day a brain surgeon? And he was saying... How do you have expertise in those categories? You can't. So I think a lot of times introverts, you're right, they listen intently, they formulate good questions. And because they formulate opinions slowly, they're not quick to open their mouth about an opinion. I remember Larry King saying that a friend of his said, your greatest strength as an interviewer is you are the dumbest person in the room. And that was true. And so he would ask questions like, because he is that, he would say to the astronomer, I look up at the sky and I see a black mess with sparkly, beautiful dots in the sky. What do you see? It's a beautiful question, right? Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't know. So, you know, I I think they both bring strengths though. Something that I think extroverts bring strength to the game is with their spontaneous response and the spontaneity of the moment. So they both bring strengths. I think it helps to understand which is your strength, which is your weakness and how you can double down on that. Yeah. I love that. And you can grow and learn either way. If you're someone who maybe is a bit more of an introvert and you have to, because as we know, we sometimes have to carry the podcast. I would say one of my skills is I can make people feel at ease. I like to infuse humor into the conversation. And by doing that, you make the other person feel at ease and then they're more comfortable because I've had some guests at the beginning that I can tell are maybe standoffish or not. There's a bit of a facade there. I like to break through that facade and get to the real person. That's a tremendous skill. Oh, well, thank you. I want to read you a quote and I want to get your feedback on this. So here's a quote. Introverts want to think about things before they articulate them out loud. Extroverts, part of the way they work it out is by talking it through, which is, I think, similar to what you had said earlier. What do you think about that quote? It's a great quote because in both examples, you can use those to your strength. So the way an introvert prepares for an interview is going to be different than an extrovert. An extrovert's probably going to lean more 
on their ability to have those spontaneous conversations and to think in the moment. Whereas an introvert is going to pre-think a lot of what they're doing before they get to the interview. Completely different tone, completely different approach, but they actually both work, I think, if you formulate them in the right bucket. Great answer. So do you always think before you speak? Do you make sure that you formulate your thoughts correctly before you actually say them? I wouldn't be human if I (laughs) did that all the time. And I wish I did more. But on the whole, even now, as you and I are talking, there's a temptation to top each other's lines, right? You ask a question, I'm going to answer a question. We live in a society that doesn't like this blank space. (laughs) And so there's a big part of me that always just wants to pull back and not play that game and think through my answers. But I'm like any other human, you know, I'm going to answer right away. Yeah. What did you think of that quote? Oh, I thought it was bang on. And I'm so guilty of a lot of times I'll be having a conversation with a friend or someone and I'll be saying things. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. I'm just kind of talking it through. Like, whereas I think introverts do that in their head, right? They'll go through it in their head. Whereas I will actually say it out loud as I'm thinking it. And that's not what I'm trying to say, but I'll just kind of ramble on. And you know what I really notice it is when I listen back to my podcast. Again, you and I talked about editing (laughs) and we can talk about editing and why I think it's so important. You know, I edit for two reasons. One, to make my guests sound great. And you mentioned earlier about the audience is the reason and why the audience is so important. And so I think editing is really being considerate to your audience and making sure that you're adding value of everything you're saying, right? And if there's any extraneous information or the topic goes off, I edit it. And I edit, you know, when people have certain speed bumps. And then the other thing is, too, is when I go into those stream of consciousness, but I actually do it verbally, (laughs) I'll just take it out and get right to the point. What else have you learned about that editing process? Like, why is it so important to you? I've noticed that it's really important to you. It is to me, too. So it's a loaded question. But why is it so important to you? Because I feel like it's like creating art. And I feel like the podcast is a piece of art. And ask any artist or a writer, why do you rewrite? Why do you edit? Yes, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I know it can't be perfect. But I listen back to my podcast before I launch it two times, sometimes three. And I'll usually do it and then I'll go to the gym and I'll listen. And when I'm at the gym, if I catch myself drifting off because I'm bored of something, then I'm like, okay, if I'm drifting off, then my audience is going to drift off. So I make a little note on my phone and I'll take that out. I want the listener to enjoy it from the second it starts until the very end. And I don't want to lose their attention because you can lose attention in a second with somebody. Yeah. How do you answer the objection that an edited podcast is not a true representation of a spontaneous conversation? Yeah, I've been told that. I've had people say to me, oh, I don't edit my podcast because I want it to be organic and authentic and real. And I've learned a lot. I think I went to the other extreme, full disclosure. When I listened to some of my earlier podcasts, I did edit too much and it didn't sound natural. And so that's a skill I've learned is, okay, keep the conversation sounding natural. And it's okay to throw in a few speed bumps every so often because you're right, that's a natural conversation, but I don't need a... 30 second pause (laughs) while I'm talking, right? So I can shorten that to a 10 second pause. So it's things like that where, you know what, you wouldn't even notice that I've even edited it. But what about you? First of all, everyone edits. 
I don't care who they are. Everyone edits. When you wake up every day, you shower, you shave, you do with all those things, that's called editing. And we all edit when we show up for the world. And editing, even in a spontaneous podcast, even a podcast that says, we're just going to pick three topics and talk about them today. There's still a form of editing because you look back at previous episodes, you want to do something a little better, you tweak things here and there. Everyone edits. The thing that I love about editing is because we typically don't have talkers on our show. Like We don't typically have people who have just written a book. Yours is a little different, but we have entrepreneurs who are running a business. They might be running a very large business or they might be running a small business, but they're not professional talkers. And so what happens is the human beings talk parenthetically. They start to talk about something and then they go another direction and it happens all the time. Same thing with story. They'll start to share a bit of their story. 20 minutes later, they'll remember a piece of their story and they'll put it back together again. And so editing, there have been times where I have pieced together a show and you would never know that's how the linear conversation happened. Because when I pieced it back together, it made a better story and it removed the speed bumps. So editing is really, really important. I think the biggest challenge for you and I or anyone starting a podcast is how much time and energy you're going to pour into that because that will determine your level of editorial control. Yeah, I completely agree. Anyone who's listening right now, you're going to laugh. But sometimes I sit and have a conversation with someone and I already know when they're talking to me, I'm thinking in my head, I'm editing all that. <laughs> yeah, you're editing. Do you ever do that or no? I do that. But again, it's for the entire conversation's sake. I've had guests who have said, Bobby, you're going to have to help me because I know I ramble and I'll need yep. your help with that. And I'm always like, don't worry about that. We'll cover that. Well, that's at the end of the day is what it is. It's I really do it to make my guests sound great. And I'm very conscious of my audience. And so I just want it to be enjoyable. I want it to be entertaining, but also informative. And I want the audience to be there the whole time. I don't want to lose them halfway or whatever. So we talked about editing. What else do you think is an important ingredient to a good podcast? There's a lot of things. I mean... Sound is really important. I think being a good host is making your guests feel comfortable and at ease too. I love connecting people. I love promoting people. And so when I bring someone or I invite someone onto my podcast, I want them to enjoy it. The best compliment I get is when a guest, when we're done and they go, that was so much fun, you know, and I love that. What do you think? I agree with you about the guests. And I would go as far as to say that if you're starting a podcast, you're going to go through a cycle of many conversations with friends. Hopefully, you're going to have two, three, four hundred thousand episodes. Treat people like guests in your home and not as a means to an end. I think that can kind of happen because you'll be shocked at how what an intimate connection you can create with someone you when you have them on their mm-hmm. show. I think a couple of other key ingredients that we don't think a lot about is genre. So in the podcasting world, there may be 2 million podcasts out there, but there are so many subgenres now. So Rich Roll has a podcast where he talks for an hour or two hours. Lex Friedman can talk for two or three hours on a YouTube show. Krista Tippett has these in-depth conversations. They publish the unscripted version of the show as well as the edited version of the show. So there are just different styles. And just like any other kind of artistic format, know your genre, know where you want to fit, play with the genre. The one-to-one medium is what we're doing right now. And you may have three people on your show all the time. It's just, it's an interesting thing to know a genre you want to play with. We've talked about audience a little bit. The one thing that I learned that I didn't know getting into it about audience is that there's the listening audience and then there's the audience beyond your immediate audience. And what I mean by that is recently I had a guest on the show. She runs an $80 million company. 
And she was come out of nowhere. And a lot of people weren't familiar with her. And word traveled fast. And you have an audience, you have this podcast that serves a purpose to serve up an idea, conversation, to challenge or inspire people. But then you have this interesting little byproduct of the podcast. And that is that other people get to connect with this person and get to know this person. So you don't really see the impact. We often look at listens. And we don't realize that a podcast has tremendous influence beyond just the number of listens that you have. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. I like the way you described that. I want to add to that, finding your genre, but also being authentic. And I know that word is used so much these days. I find it's almost overused, but it's so true because I've talked to people where they're like, yeah, I want to be the next Joe Rogan. Why don't you just be the next you or just be the first right. you? You know, like I think a lot of people do aspire for that. We all have something special that we offer. It's really tapping into that and then being yourself. Yeah. I will say for those that are starting out in any artistic form, mimicry is really important. People end up, they start out, if you're going to learn to play the guitar, you're going to learn some tunes from some famous musician, you're going to learn some Dylan tunes, you're going to do whatever, but then you're going to evolve into your own style. And just go Yeah. Through. Another thing that's important, and again, this is just for me, so I'm curious to get your point, is research. I do a lot of research on my guests. And I had a guest recently, actually, and she was just really happy and felt honored that I did that. I like to do my research. And then in the research, I pick out things that I want to know more about. What do you think about that? Totally. I think research is the... I can't estimate its importance enough because you can tell when people show up and they don't really know their guests or they don't know their guest topic or they don't know what's going on. You can really tell. And I think there's an important warning flag. I think if you're more extroverted, I think you tend to lean on your ability to dance around a topic. If you're more introverted, you probably lean on your ability to research. So there's a balance in the two. That's where the caveat is, is that if you're going to produce, say, a weekly show, you have to know that you're going to have some episodes where you're going to do a heavy amount of research. Some you're going to have lighter research, but there's not going to be any show that you're not going to have no research. Like it's going to require something. And research sounds heavy, but it's really just thinking through the conversation and the topics before you have them. Not so that you can create a scripted session with your guest. It's so that you think through the most important parts of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. When I do my research and I ask the questions, I think, what does the audience want to know about this person? I'm very strategic in my questioning. And I think the only way I can really ask good questions if I know about my guests and I know what their strength is and I know the value that they're going to offer, you know? Can I mention one more secret ingredient that we don't think about in terms of podcasts that I wish somebody would have told me? And that is constraints. Every show has constraints. No matter who you are, you have constraints. Some shows are so successful, they have executive producers who can do some of the research, who can help formulate the questions and do all those kinds of things. But every show has constraints. Every podcast will have constraints. And so, for example, we have a window of six to eight hours a week to produce a show. What I mean by that is when you add up the time frame. You have a 15-minute pre-chat with guests. You have 30 minutes to prepare the questions. Maybe an hour if it's a really heavy topic or a really big subject. You have one hour to record. You have two to four hours of editing. That represents a six to eight hour window, which is about 20% of your week. And so knowing that, I think, really helps you produce a better show. It helps you realize, I have constraints. I'm not going to be this American life, but I'm going to produce a show that I'm proud of within the constraints that I have. So I think that's helpful because people, I think, get really frustrated when they start podcasting and they quit. You know, you say to too many podcasts that are listed now, how many of those are going to be in operation a year from now? 
It's interesting that you say that because so you do one a week, right? When I started, I was very ambitious and I was doing one a week all myself and I started to get burnt out. So I took a couple of months off last summer and then I started season two in September and my life got hectic and I thought about quitting, but I was getting these messages from people every so often and they're like, oh, thank you. Your podcast has helped me in my business, getting really great feedback. So I didn't want to leave. So I made a conscious decision to cut back to every two weeks. And that has made all the difference. You know, you talk about constraints. Now I have the time. I'm not super stressed because for me, it started off as fun. And when it stopped being fun, then that's when it was going to be over. And so I didn't want to lose that fun. And so now I've been able to maintain it and I'm getting some help now, which brings me to my next question. What do you love best about podcasting? It's the quick natured way of digging deep into a topic. And when you talked about introverts love to explore the depth of a topic. And I think that's what I enjoy the most. I enjoy one-on-one conversation. You know, if I go to a party where there's 50 people in the room, I'm just paralyzed. Paralyzed because um, you're yes. shy or... Wow. Shy in private and also just because I prefer one-to-one conversation. The minute you open up to other people, then it gets more awkward, right? I love that too. Honestly, I can work a room, but I love the one-on-one conversation too. Yeah, I do too. I think that's the thing I enjoy the most. But particularly in the business world, there are a lot of platitudes. There are a lot of surface things that's hard to get to the depth of a topic. And a podcast gives you an opportunity to suddenly get to the depth. Like everybody knows when they show up, you're going to be getting to the depth of a topic. That's what I love the most. What do you love the most about it? Yeah. It's my favorite thing to sit down with interesting, smart people about a topic that I'm super passionate about. And, you know, I get this one hour conversation where we can sit and just like we're doing right now. I love doing that. And don't forget, when I started, we were in lockdown. So these were the only people I was talking to other than (laughs) my kids sometimes and my boyfriend, right? right? So I would look forward to sitting down having a nice conversation. But I have learned a ton of things about branding and about business just because all my guests have been great. So yeah, I am the number one student, right? Yeah, exactly. I will say this too. It's cliche, but everyone has a story. But what's really rewarding is when you just hung up with a pre-chat with somebody for a podcast we're going to record. And you think you're going to have a topic that's over here. And then suddenly as you talk with them, you realize you have an entirely different topic. Because you might have a scripted idea of what the conversation should be about. But then you find out, and I love to ask this question in a pre-chat, what are you passionate about that you haven't talked about yet? Like what's on your mind? And then suddenly you realize, oh, they just opened up this amazing topic that they're really passionate about, which is akin to somebody who just wrote a book about something because then they really can unlock and share. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a story. Probably the most rewarding thing is being able to talk one week to somebody running a billion dollar company, as I mentioned earlier, and the next week talking to somebody running a $2 million company. And they both have fascinating stories. Yeah. Every episode, I sort of have a theme and I try to bring on people from all different industries. Because really, if I were to just stick to marketing people and all they were talking about was branding and things you need to do, people will get bored super fast, right? And I know that. So I wanted to open it up. So I've had all these different people from all different industries and backgrounds and all over the world. So it never gets boring. But then all under the umbrella of tying it into a brand or branding, which is really important. So you mentioned about a pre-chat. When I first started, I used to do a pre-chat with my guests. Mm -hmm. Then I had some guests tell me that, no, I don't do the pre-chat. I just get right into it. So I was like, okay. And then I stopped doing that. How important is a pre-chat and how often do you do that? 
depends on your show, depends on your guests, it depends on their expertise. So for example, anyone that we have on the SKUcast can show up and talk about sales or marketing or branded merch. Anyone can do that. But they haven't, like some folks have, just written an entire book where they spent thousands of hours pouring their ideology into this book. Anyone that has done that already comes prepared for an interview. You know, you hear this a lot. The whole idea of a podcast feels very spontaneous. The reason I, I love doing a pre-chat because I'm not talking to talkers. I'm talking to folks who are actually really good at running their business. Maybe they're not great communicators. Maybe they hadn't just written a book about it. And so they haven't codified their thought. So I like to do a pre-chat for two reasons. One is to discover what I don't know about them that we could talk about. And the second reason is to give people who are uncomfortable talking some tracks to run on. And I always tell them that we can go off-road and likely we'll go off-road every time. But the tracks help people feel comfortable. And I want the guests to feel comfortable. So that's why I do pre-chat. Okay. And have you ever had anybody say no? Yeah, I can remember one or two. One in this case, he'd already been on a big popular show and a few others and he'd done it you know, many times. So he was already prepared for this conversation. But for the most part, everyone wants to do a pre-chat. Let me also stress this is also about editing. So you can either edit a one and a half or one hour episode afterwards and spend a tremendous amount of time doing that. Or you can pre-edit, which is what a pre-chat is about. It's like, instead of me spending an hour and a half discovering where the real conversation is, Let's talk about what's important before we get on. That enables us to have a 30-minute show, a faster editing process, and to just produce them quickly. The pre-chat is not only about helping your guests get prepared. It's also about minimizing your editing process post-production. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So would you recommend it then? Totally depends on the show. If you're a show where you're going to have authors and writers and speakers on the circuit, they're going to come in, they don't need to have pre-chats. If you're a show where you're going to have folks that are not familiar with showing up and talking about their work all the time, then a pre-chat would be necessary. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Which brings me to another question. How do you find your guests then for your podcast? I mean, if you do one a week, how do you find your guests? We're really fortunate in that we have kind of an embarrassment of riches, as one of my colleagues like to say, because we have a huge network of clients. And because the format is celebrating progressive thinkers and we don't have limitations on size of the company or anything like that, it's more about fascinating stories that are helping lead the industry forward. And it's less a matter of who do we find this week and more a matter of now we have 52 episodes and I have 100 people on my list. The challenge is this is only one part of our marketing experience and branding podcast. So it's only one part of the work that entire entire team is doing. And I need to add that, that Ksenia and other people on our team are doing work on this podcast. And so it's not always that easy that because you have a long list, it doesn't make your job a lot easier, really. But if you have one one of two challenges, either you're struggling to find folks or you have folks and you're trying to winnow that list down to the most important people. But a branded podcast serves a unique purpose. Like it's not my hobby, right? The podcast has to drive business forward. It has to drive the conversation forward. How about you? That's a great answer. When I first started, I had some referrals from some people. I literally wrote a list of my dream team or my dream list of who I wanted on. I've oh, had almost awesome. all of them on. Some took a little bit more work to get. Most people have said yes. As I've grown, I started getting people reaching out to me. 
And I didn't expect that, which was really interesting in the sense that at first I was really flattered and I was like, oh, you want to be on my podcast? Wow, okay. And then I realized that as podcasts have been growing in popularity, there's businesses out there and that's all they do is find podcasts for guests to be on, right? I get now like at least one or two a week, if not three a week of someone saying to me, hey, this person would be really good for your podcast. You know, I'm still very flattered, but I also have to be true to my brand and I have to be true to what I'm trying to accomplish with my podcast. It has to to fill a need as far as not something I've already talked about, unless there's a different angle and then who the person is. And so this is where I think about my audience again, is will my audience get the value from this person coming on? Yeah, you're discretionary. Right, I have to be because it has to be in alignment with what I'm trying to achieve. You know, you asked me about what makes a good podcast. What would be some advice that you would offer someone who is looking to start a podcast? And this is sort of a two-part question. What do you think is more important for a successful podcast? Do you think it's the guest or do you think it's the host? I don't think it's dichotomous like that. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a blend of both. And to your question about what advice would you have for someone? Let me continue on the first one though. It almost depends on the episode, right? Some episodes, the host may have to, like you said earlier, you said that a host sometimes might have to carry the episode a little more than the guest might. But in terms of what is being expressed, I always feel like the guest is certainly more important from a standpoint of they're the guest, right? But it's not dichotomous. Like the host is equally as important. Let me ask you that. What do you think? Host or guest? You know, it's interesting because when I first started, I thought it was all about the guest. And I thought, realistically, nobody knows who I am and who's this mm-hmm. chick that started this podcast. But if I have, you know, where at the beginning I have the head of Snapchat on, I think if I have these kind of big brand names or these famous people, it would appeal to an audience and get them to come on. So I do think there is that recognition factor that has helped when I've had guests on. With that said, I've had some guests on that I thought were going to be the big famous stars and the podcast didn't go quite the way I wanted. And then I have other people who were sort of not necessarily as well known, but did super well. So now that I've been doing it for over a year, about a year and a half, I agree with you. I think people are coming to my podcast and subscribing and listening, I hope as much to hear me as they do to hear the guests, right? And hear the whole story together. And the feedback I've gotten is people like the humor and the lightheartedness of what I bring to the table, but then also the advice that my guest brings. And yeah, so it's kind of like chemistry. So I think when there's chemistry there between the host and the guest, it just creates this magic or this successful episode. And let's go to your other question. What advice would you give someone who's starting out? I think do it. First of all, don't let everything we've talked about discourage you. If you want to start a podcast, I think you should. And I've had people ask me that and I've said to them, like, figure it out what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Don't just do it because everybody has a podcast and you want to start a podcast and you just want to get on there and ramble and talk because you won't get any listeners. You'll bore people. It won't work. But if you have a message, I think, whether it's with guests or by yourself and you feel that there's a place out there in podcast world where people want to hear what you have to say or want to learn what you want to teach or what your guests want to teach, go for it and then really hone in on your audience. Really be specific who your audience is. You know, they talk about niching it down. You know, it's finding out what they're interested in and how you can help them. Just do it, but be really, really specific on what your intention is and your purpose. Yeah. And the other thing I would add to those that are starting out is that Any artistic form that you experience that is really impactful 
often is processed spontaneously. But a podcast is actually a lot of work, as you well know. It's a lot of work. Be prepared for that. And just know that you're going to put a lot of work into it. And to that end, iterate quickly. You're going to put yourself on a deadline. That's one of the most important things. Ira Glass talks about that a lot. He said, put yourself on a deadline. You're going to do shitty work until you do good work and you're going to fail publicly. That's something you just need to be aware of and you're going to iterate as you go along. And if you're working in a team and you have a branded podcast, the thing that I also encourage, make sure your team knows it's a working lab. This is not a finished product. Every episode is an iteration on top of the previous episode and you'll keep learning that way. If you have a team, and I thankfully do have a team that's very gracious about that, then you will have a successful show. And then a couple of things. One with guests. A guest always has something to sell. And that's okay. You don't have to make that a sticking point. You can actually help them promote that and then move on to other topics. And the last thing is a branded podcast has a job to do. Just make sure that you understand what the job is that you're there to do and help fulfill that job. But in a way that also appeals to the audience. Mm-hmm. I got to ask you this. What is a branded podcast? And what's the difference between a branded podcast and any other kind of podcast? Well, I think every podcast in a very generalized sense is a branded podcast. But there are a lot of folks that get into a hobbyist. Hey, I love literature and I want to start a book club podcast, right? It starts around the hobby. Whereas a branded podcast starts with an ambitious goal to help propel the organization forward. And a branded mm, podcast, okay. it just has other initiatives other than I'm going to scratch the itch because I really like talking about music. So that's the biggest difference. A better distinction is probably between a hobbyist podcast and a branded podcast. Oh, okay. You know, speaking in that same vein, as far as branded podcasts, how do people monetize on podcasting? Because it is a lot of work. Yeah. Obviously sponsors. We could easily have sponsors for the podcast. We made a choice not to for our particular podcast. We have sponsors in many other areas. So it's not a question of us being anti-sponsorship at all. It's just we sort of wanted to leave this one very editorial. So we wanted to make sure that it wasn't heavily leveraged by any other voices that were coming in trying to influence the direction of the podcast. It's still a business podcast. It still has business objectives. But we have chosen time and time again to not do that. Doesn't mean we won't. We could change our mind next month and suddenly have a sponsor. But obviously, sponsors are the best way to monetize mm-hmm. a podcast. But I'm out of my depth because we haven't done that. And I think you have. But the difference is you're a business podcast. You're part of Common Skew. And this is right. sort of a different entity of Common Skew, whereas right. I'm an independent right. person who is just trying to help people. No. But ultimately, as my podcast has grown, there is value there and people are now seeing the value and they want to be a part of it. So that's good, but it takes right. time. And let me let me add this and I'll stress this because I think it's really important to understand that monetizing podcasts doesn't mean you're getting a check from somebody all the time either. So you brought up the fact that we have a podcast that serves the Commons Q community. The more people listen to the podcast and get inspired and learn something and propel their business forward, guess what? The more licenses they buy for their software because they're growing. So even though you might not be depositing a check from a sponsor on the podcast, if you're helping people learn and grow, they are growing and buying more of your products. So I think it depends on perspective. 100%. And you know, it's all about content marketing, right? And when I started, I didn't have my impetus for helping people was a passion project of mine. I didn't even think about the money part of it. I'm like, oh, this is how I can help people. And then it became like, um, oh my God, I've totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) um sorry i completely went out i love it it went out my head i was thinking about something when you were talking and now it's gone that's terrible so it's not terrible at all 
It's really bad. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So, okay. yeah. So it's all about content marketing in the sense that, yes, I wanted to help people and that was my passion. But then also, you know, I talk a lot about during my podcast and when I work with my clients about brand awareness, right? So it's a great way to grow your brand awareness with your audience. And my audience, because I sell swag, is business owners and CEOs. And so I'm creating more brand awareness around what I'm doing. And ultimately, that's building my client base on a extra way, right? So you're sort of monetizing, but maybe not directly, but indirectly by doing that. So that was yeah. sort of my point of doing that. And that's why I think why more and more people are having podcasts. I mean, I edit that part out. I might keep it in. Just there you go. Just show people the example. If you were to launch Googcast today, would you do anything differently? And if so, what would that be? I would have fretted less about limitations and embraced them earlier. The thing that Ivor Glass talks about this a lot is you'll always have taste. And anytime you do something, you're always going to want it to be better because your taste grows as you produce a better product. I would have played with variety early on. We've played with variety recently with reading an article instead of having a guest. Right when we close, I have a thing we call open mic where we ask the community questions and I'm reading those answers back. And that's a different play on variety. So we'll publish that episode tomorrow and I'm going to record it right when we end here. That's it. Play with the variety a little bit. You might have started out thinking you're going to do a one-to-one head-to-head interview and you might turn that into a group think. You never know. Just play with it earlier. I would enlist analytics earlier. And there are tools now that can show you how many listens you have when people are dropping off. I would have done that a little earlier. I would understand what we talked about is that a business has multiple purposes. And then finally, I keep going back to this point, but I think it's really important. Understand the difference between spontaneity and original force. Spontaneity is what people think of when they listen to a podcast. But when you listen to the most successful podcasts that are out there, they spend hours producing this show, hours upon hours upon hours, 30, 40, 120 hours on a show to get it down to that 20, 30-minute conversation. And they still preserve the power of original force. So understand the difference between spontaneity and original force. What about you? That's a great answer. I love that. It's interesting. I don't know if I would do anything differently only because I've learned as I go. I mean, I could say I would edit differently, but I don't know how else I would have learned other than just doing, right? I've learned so much, but it's been through my mistakes and by listening. Right. Right. That's great advice. I'm happy with the way it's gone. For all my criticisms of myself, you'd think I'd change everything and do everything differently, but I don't know. I... I hear your answer. And I think what you might be saying too is that you've made iteration a natural part of your muscle that you like to exercise. And so that's why it's hard to find out what would I do differently? You're editing all the time. You're like improving and and iterating on the podcast all the time. Trying, yeah. Actually, you know what I would have done differently is I go back and I listen to one of my very first podcasts, my first two or three, and I had some pretty big names on and those were guests that came on because of referrals, but I sucked. (laughs) I did. And so I think I wish I had them on now because I've gotten better. And I think it'd be a better episode in the sense that there would be more value there. But yeah, so this has been a very fun conversation. And I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything. And I hope that people learned a little bit more about the ins and outs of podcasting. If people want to learn more about you and about Skewcast and about Common Skew, what's the best way to find you and get a hold of you and connect with they you? They can find Common Skew at commonskew.com. You can look up the Skewcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find me at Bobby Lee, who will be O B B Y L E H E W, anywhere on socials. 
And thanks, Jolie, for having me on this fun to talk about something that we're both so passionate about. I know. It's been great. Well, we'll have to do it again. I hope we get to meet in person one day soon, too. Yeah, for sure. sure. (laughs) All right. Well, take care, and we will talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye. And there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like help creating brand awareness for your business, please reach out to me on any of the social platforms under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. I promise you, I reply to all my messages. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thank you again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.